I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator, a podcast all about seeking, finding, and living with purpose. People talk about purpose, but no one tells you how to get there. But that's what this podcast addresses, how to find purpose. I interview experts in the field. You'll also hear from people who I call prototypes, whose life is an example of purpose. So on this podcast, we dig into their path and create a community of people in pursuit of purpose. What could you do if someone believed in you? Would it be the final push? Would it be the extra step? Would it be like having wind at your back? That's what Amanda Banks is. I mean, she is the wind. That's why I've named her episode The Believer, because when you meet Amanda, you'll start to understand she believes in people and she believes in herself. It's the crux of this episode. It's why she connects people to other people who just need help. Amanda's the best. Um, When she and I initially met many, many, many months ago, it was because a mutual friend of ours was like, hey, you girls should know each other. No, you're not working in the same industries. No, you're not working on the same things, but you're the same age. You both have kids and you're working at the same intensity. So we were both like, all right, cool. We like meeting new people. And so in that first time I ever met Amanda, she was like, what can I do for you? What do you need? How can I help you? And I was so taken back by that, just her sheer belief in me, her willingness to help me do what I needed to do when she didn't know me from Adam. And I was like, who is this amazing person? And honestly, it's something I've started to steal from her. It's like every time I meet someone, I'm like, uh, what do you need? How can I help you? What What's missing right now for you? Because inevitably, I know somebody or something that can help somebody, that can fill in the gaps. And Amanda is that same way. She believes in people, and she opens the doors for other people. In this episode, we really get into how she got that way. And it starts as a child. She was a really high-level gymnast, a child gymnast, taught to seek perfection. And so we talk at length in this episode about how that kind of plagued her and how she had to overcome it and continues to overcome that need for perfection. Uh, We also talk about her role in corporate America before she decided to take the leap into entrepreneurship. Uh, She used to be, uh, again, a really high achiever in corporate America, specifically in a healthcare company that was creating technology solutions for, for people problems. And she realized at one point, she's like, what the heck am I doing here? And funny enough, you know, life always throws curveballs at interesting times. The same time she was asking herself that question was the same time that her daughter's elementary school got destroyed by a tornado. Okay, this is March 2020. This was a really, really big day in Nashville because 25 people died that day, over a billion and a half dollars in property damage was done that day as well. And so the ruining of her child's school meant that she had to start homeschooling. On top of that, two weeks after that deadly tornado, all of Nashville, all of the country went on COVID lockdown. So Amanda was at a time where she really had to reevaluate, you know, what she was doing. And so this episode starts with her talking a lot about how beginning homeschooling for her daughter totally changed her perspective. She realized she could start making a difference for other people, you know, because of that. So Sports to Suits is the solution that they're building out right now. It goes to the individual leagues and begins to teach professional athletes life skills, how to have confidence, how to take care of their health, what to do with their finances, the things that everybody should know as an adult, but those things are taken care of for athletes so that they can totally focus on their sport. So Amanda's an interesting person, always opening doors for people, always believing in them that they can live a better life. So I can't wait for you to hear this episode. I'm excited to hear what you think about it. For now, here is Amanda Banks, The Believer. Okay, so let's start with a little game I like to play. You ready? Yes. I call it best time, worst time. It's just basically meant to help people connect to you and understand sort of the road that you've taken already to get to this place. So let's start with 
the best time in your life. When was that time? So the best time was when we allowed our daughter to homeschool. So we made the transition for her to, from being in school during COVID. My husband and I made the decision to transition her over to homeschooling. And that was the best time in my life because I got to develop that relationship with her and better understand just who she was as a human and experience that with her. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like so many parents talk about that time at the beginning of lockdown as being a time that was incredibly difficult. But it does remind me that there is some beauty in that for some families. Some people do find it as a, a wonderful time, right? So like you transitioned to homeschooling and it was a great thing for you guys, which is awesome. <laughs> it was tough. It wasn't <laughs> all like unicorns and rainbows. But making that decision and then experiencing that and having that time with her and being blessed enough to, to get to know her and to see what she has been going through and educating her, it was just such an amazing experience. Yeah. Well, okay, so conversely, when was the worst time in your life? So I remember the worst time in my life. So as a young kid, um, my parents went through a really rough divorce and my dad had shown up and taken all the furniture from the house while we were gone. So when I walked into the house as a young kid, all of that wasn't there. And so it was, the, it was really a moment in my life when I knew how precious family was, time was, and, and how, um, how quick that can all change. Mm. Do you understand it at the time? Because you were young. I didn't really understand it, but I just understood the magnitude that life was going to change. Hmm. Yeah. And I know how that impacted you as an athlete, which we'll get into here in your episode, but uh, let's keep in the game, huh? Yeah. Uh, when was a time that was a, a great moment of clarity for you in your life? So when we were homeschooling her, so I really got to see life through the, through the lens of her and throughout her process and what she was being exposed to and the education that she was receiving. But I also started thinking through purpose. You know, I was working a full-time job when we did that, then it dropped down to part-time. And then it just, it kind of hit me. I was like, this is not, I'm not supposed to be doing this. So going through that journey as well, personally, not just as homeschooling her, but also experiencing it myself of making that transition from having a successful career over to the next phase, which was entrepreneurship for me. Did it help you evaluate what mattered to you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that interesting how transitions can sometimes do that, right? Like they force you to look differently at things, give you a different perspective, I think. Um, when was a turning point for you, like in your life where you've said, wow, everything changed after this moment? That tornado hitting. Yeah. So March 3rd, 2020 was a turning point for you, but not for the reason that a lot of people might think. A lot of people might think that loss in loss of property or loss of life, but it didn't impact you in that way. So tell me more about how it impacted you. I mean, it made me realize, it took me back to that childhood moment of just realizing how sensitive life can be and being so blessed that nobody was in that building when that mm. happened. But looking at the building and seeing the entire elementary school wing being flattened and seeing how the story could have been much different. Right. And so, yes, there was a lot of loss, but there was also a lot of hope and a lot, just watching everybody come together and, you know, watching her processing it as well. I mean, it was, there was a lot of loss to it, but it was also pretty inspirational. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Well, it was an interesting time in Nashville too, right? We had that deadly March 3rd, 2020 tornado. And then within a week, we had our first confirmed case of COVID and then lockdown started within another week. And um, yeah, I mean, you were you and other communities that were also dealing with lo major loss of property were dealing with twin issues at the same time. You know, that loss plus, wow, okay, what's going on in the world with this <laughs> pandemic, right? I mean, everything changed at that point. Um, what about something in your nature that you've had to overcome? Is there something that you're like, golly, I've finally overcome or that you continue to overcome that you're always working on? So it's the fear of cameras. So really, it is. I'm terrified, like absolutely terrified. Well, you're doing great. Thanks. <laughs> well, so this stems from me being a gymnast and that is around perfectionism. So your whole life is that of perfectionism. And so when you go into the real world, which I did at a really young age, I always put a lot of pressure on myself around perfectionism. So to me, cameras and film and media, that all represents what we typically see because of social media and because of all of the filters is perfectionism. Hmm. So I'll never forget it. I went into college um, and I had to do a public speaking course. 
And for an entire week, I just sweated the entire thing. And I will never forget, I was talking on gymnastics, which is a, a super passion of mine, right? This shouldn't be a problem. But I walked up to the lectern and I just cried. In the middle of my college course, this was terrifying. You know, but it, it's, it wasn't necessarily just the public speaking. It was all of that coming back, the perfectionism and me trying to, you know, control the whole scenario. And so, you know, that's a huge obstacle still for me today. Um, you know, I, I had to overcome that. You know, being an entrepreneur, a lot of it is about exposure and about sharing your story and about, you know, connecting with the right people. And when we made that decision, I knew that I was going to have to do a lot more public speaking and being yeah. forward facing. And I got a unique opportunity to do quite a bit of media in June of 2021. And I, my husband looked at me and I said, look, this is the opportunity that I have. And he said, I believe in you. He said those four words. And I said, okay. And that was the turning point for me yeah. because I was so in, immersed in the situation that I really had to let that go. Mm -hmm. And I had to figure out a way to just be okay with being on camera, being on film, sharing my story. And since then, I've been able to do Sports to Suits Live and share my story and highlight other former athletes. But that is a major obstacle, even to this day. And quite frankly, I think a lot of people yeah. have a big fear around that, about public speaking and sharing oh, yeah. their story. Oh, they totally do. I married someone like that, right? <laughs> so like a lot of times we'll yeah. marry someone who's stronger in the things that we're weak and vice versa. Yeah. My, my husband's terrified, terrified of speaking in public. He, would ne he never wants a spotlight certainly don't do it he's terrified of it truly truly yeah. terrified but I I, I want to dig into this idea um, of perfectionism um, I think it plagues a lot of people and let's start about start in where the inception was for you because it's so clear to me as just a <laughs> an, someone who appreciates gymnastics someone who just looks at it and says wow that's beautiful i'm sure they worked very hard to get there but you from a very young age were an accomplished elite gymnast um well you're you maybe in your in your yeah. mind not well, yeah. very accomplished how, <laughs> okay. about, how about that yeah. you were a very accomplished gymnast to the point that um i'm sure it controlled your life to some degree and then there were things that you picked up Right, so like this need to be perfect. So let's talk about where it all started for you and why things needed to be perfect. Well, that's a sport of gymnastics. You know, you're always trying to achieve the perfect 10. And from a coaching perspective, it's very hypercritical. So I coach one day a week just out of passion. And, you know, you're always trying to get that body positioning accurate. And, you know, everything is based around it has to be perfect for you to score that 10. And so, as a young kid, you know, I started gymnastics around six and thrived in the sport and stayed till um, around 13-ish. And that whole time in my life was around perfectionism and about body positioning and how can you get the perfect score and when you compete against other people, it has to be perfect or you'll lose. And so that was just a deep-rooted thing that was conditioned to me mm -hmm. over hours and hours and hours in the gym. And, and how did that begin to influence you even after 13? Because 13, I mean, I'm thinking from my own experience here, what, what a, first of all, what a terrible time. Like I hated being 13, right? 12, yeah. 11, 12, 13, terrible time. You don't understand your body. Everything about that whole experience is awkward socially. And you left a sport that you loved in the middle of those years, um, but you kept some of the perfectionism in through those years Help me understand how that impacted you. I think it's time. something I still struggle with. Um, you know, so with gymnastics, I absolutely love the sport. I became a very high level competitive gymnast at 10 years old, super, super young. And I started getting burnt out, you know, so in gymnastics, kids peak really young, typically if they're super high levels. And that is a lot of dedication and effort, multiple hours a day in the gym, six days a week. And so for me, it was an escape from home, which is why I thrived so well. There was a lot of chaos going on at home. And on the outside looking in, we were this perfect, beautiful American family. But behind the scenes, it's a little bit of a hot mess. So I was able to go into the gym and pour everything into it. And so even though there was that level of perfectionism, it was also an escape mechanism for me. So when some of the things started happening and my parents started going through this divorce, 
that's when I got so burnt out and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. But then you start, and as an athlete, I talk to a lot of athletes, you have this identification of being that of an athlete. Your dinner table conversations are, when's practice? Yeah. You know, what's the leotard going to be? Do you have <laughs> clean stuff? You know, all of those things. And so when you leave that sport, mm -hmm. your friend group is that in yeah. the sport, you know, you're trying to process that. So going through the transition of teenage years is a challenge. I see it getting ready to happen with my daughter, but trying to battle all of those things internally with perfectionism and then carrying that into a trying time period. Yeah. You know, I, I struggled. I went to drugs and alcohol and you name it because I was trying to figure out what life and purpose look like outside of this sport. Yeah. Well, and I, and I see this too with people who, uh, who have a real identity crisis after they leave something. And, and oftentimes it becomes like, oh, I'm so-and-so, I'm a former whatever, whatever, whatever. Like whatever the highest title was, I'm a former such-and-such -such athlete. And that's like the lead-in label that they give. Um, I almost wonder what your take is on that when somebody introduces themselves as that, like that gets top billing. Should that get top billing or should the current thing be like, I'm an, I'm a speaker or I'm an entrepreneur before I'm the former athlete or former, I don't know, elite level somebody. I mean, as moms, we do this. I'm a mom. Yeah. <laughs> right. And so I think that, you know, it, it's hard, right? Because you identify as that you're told this is, this is where you're getting, you know, recognition or all of these things. But the reality is, is we need to start thinking through who are you truly while you're in the sport as a human prior to that transition happening. And quite frankly, I dealt with it a little bit as going from, you know, having a very successful corporate career into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Because I was told this is what I needed to do to be successful in life. Mm. Yeah, how much of that was, how much of your actions were based on what other people were telling you to do? Was it everything? Pretty much. Yeah, yeah I mean, because we're, you know, for me, I grew up in a very small town here in Tennessee. And, you know, I wasn't exposed to, um, a lot of big time thinking. And so what I was exposed to over the years, you know, I thought I needed to, from what I heard in my career, was go into a good paying corporate job where you'll make great money. And once you hit this financial tier, you'll be happy and all mm. will be amazing. And I think that from a societal perspective, we're told we need to do these things. So we chase the dream per se, but then I, I had that moment of what am I doing? Yeah. Like, what am I doing? What yeah. am I doing here? And, you know, I had, you know, the blessing and the curse, right? That moment where we had to look at, oh my gosh, you know, now as I'm having to step in full-time mom, full-time homeschooling mom. Mm. So where, where do I go and how do I leverage my purpose and my gifts to actually right. make substantial impact versus trying to chase what I've been told to chase my entire life. Right. Oh, I, I, I love this. And I think this is a real deep and rich vein for a lot of people, especially moms, and especially in the last couple of years that we've had. Because I do, I mean, yes, there was so much tragedy with COVID, but there was so much um, purpose tapping during that time, yeah. right? Everything got stripped away, certainly in 2020 in lockdown when all the calendars were cleared, no one was going anywhere, everyone was afraid for their lives. So there was <laughs> yeah. a lot of like reevaluation and recalibration too of what should we be doing, where do we need to be? Um, and, I, and I'm interested in what you landed on because you decided to leave a successful corporate career and create what it was that, that is gonna make an impact and make change. And that's where Sports to Suits came from, which yeah. is incredible. So like <laughs> walk, work, walk us through what it is that you've created. So we've been having a lot, of, so I'll take it back a little bit. So when we jumped into entrepreneurship, we launched a bank, which is basically my business partner and I as Rupa Dillard's our consulting firm. And so it just allows us to, to connect with amazing people and do mission and impact focused work. And so research work and really looking at things from, you know, what are the projects that we want to work on and what are the things that we want to do versus what do we have to do? Mm -hmm. Because we both went from corporate to entrepreneurship. And organically, we started having so many conversations with athletes because I started- How? How? Why athletes? Do, do you think you attracted them? Yes. Okay. Very much so. And you know, 
for, you know, as a connector, I'm connected to a lot of different networks and, you know, the athletic community um, tends to be very reserved or almost, um, they a lot of people have taken advantage of the community. And so that's a very tight knit community, rightfully so. And so I just started getting connected to some of the people that saw what we were doing and where our hearts were and how we were really trying to help make a substantial impact, not just in the lives of other people, but from a community-based perspective. And so as we continued to having these conversations, I mean, they just kept coming up and we started organically helping athletes connect to resources and connect to opportunities. And so we kind of went to the drawing board and said, okay, how can we create, you know, a sustainable, um, scalable solution that will help basically the athletic community as a whole. And so we started framing this up from scratch and that started happening in about July of last year. So in July, I started Sports to Suits Live. And that is a live show that I do weekly where I highlight former athletes and I share their story about how they're seeing success in business and how they've leveraged just the skills and background that they have as an athlete into their business world. And so that show just keeps growing and growing and growing and the impact just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so through that, we've gone on to now create, you know, we're building a technology solution and we're, we're working on strategic partners and scaling and bringing the right people on board all through that organically. Yeah. And that to me, so when I think about mission and purpose, you know, when you're working in a lane that is just your lane, yeah. things start to happen yeah. so organically <laughs> and so beautifully and the right people start getting connected. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because um, I do think purpose is singular. No two people have the exact same thing and it's not gonna be done in the exact same way. So the fact that you've had this realization of like, this is mine, this is mine, this is what I'm here to do. I, I think it does sort of release something because you're no longer worried about scarcity yeah. when you take that on because when you're an athlete, there's so much competition. So to almost separate yourself from competition and go the opposite way where you say, no, we don't even have to compete. We can actually work together to make something happen. Do you remember a point where that changed for you or has it just sort of it's evolved role. like it's it keeps growing and growing and growing and growing and so you know it went from us doing this manually with an athlete here or there to now you know we've um, signed contracts with an entire league and now we're you know working on development and all the incredible people are kind of coming together so it's continuing to evolve yeah that's amazing and the thing that I want to make sure I can wrap my mind around is like You've taken something subjective, like um, helping someone succeed after their playing days are over, but you're creating a framework around that. So help me understand the kinds of things that you're helping athletes do after they leave their sport. So that's where, you know, my corporate career came into play. So I have a pretty strong background in healthcare, but in technology and technology um, sales and pulling together all of these complicated technology solutions to, to create an outcomes-based solution, specifically around patient care. And so it's very similar. So my business partner's an economist and has a background in workforce and economic development. So we really, truly looked at what is our background? What is our passion? What are our paths? How can we pull the best of all worlds together to create a solution that drives substantial impact at a, at a greater scale than what we're currently able to do? Mm, yeah. Well, tell me some of the things that you found from your own experience, but then also in the conversations you've had with athletes of things that they just we're having trouble with the things they just didn't know that you're trying to rectify. So a lot of it is the identity piece. So that's a that's a big challenge for I think everybody struggles with that yeah. personally a like little bit. Who I am outside of this? Yes, okay. who I am outside of this, you know, whether it's a sport, whether it's who I am outside of being a mom and a wife right. or who I am out of being this corporate employee, you know, there's a lot of that transition that has to happen. Um, but since it's so strong in the athletic community, um, it's it's definitely a big piece to it. 
I will also say mental and physical well-being is so critical. And I'll say this from a woman's perspective, you know, put a lot of pressure on my body and mm -hmm. how I take mm -hmm. care of my body, but it is so different of that of when you're in your sport. And so there's a how? huge, so for me, I was working out multiple hours a day, multiple days a week for years. And even though I was super young, I was very fit and I was working out very, um, a lot. And so, you know, when I went out of the sport, the last thing I wanted to do was work out. Mm, yeah. Period. Like that's the last thing I wanted to do. And so making that transition, I just remember gaining so much weight, even, I mean, it's a, you're, you're it's developing already, as a yeah. young, as a young lady. And so you're already putting that weight on, but I, even now I work out, but I will never be able to work out at that caliber. And so I look at a lot of athletes and they struggle with body issues or they struggle with gaining a lot of weight once they're out of the sport. And that's something a lot of people just don't want to talk about. It's mm -hmm. very um, insecurity driven yeah. as well, but it's something that is a huge challenge. Do you think that someone admitting defeat when they say, like a former athlete, when they say I need help, is that defeat or is that, where, where do you think that comes from? You know, like if someone admits, wow, I can't figure this out on my own, uh, I need help, is that defeat or is that out of self-love? Where does that come from? I think it's defeat. So I think, you know, athletes are provided basically, especially when you get to an elite level athlete, everything is curated for you. Mm -hmm. Your day is curated for you. I have a, a, a son that is a college baseball player, a stepson that's a college baseball player right now, and we were talking about even his nutrition is curated for him. And so, you know, going from having that extreme level of structure yeah. and then translating that into a capacity of being a normal human being, yeah, that's a massive jump. Right. It's huge. Everything's done for you when you're a, a I mean, collegiate level or professional level athlete, everything's done for you. I mean, down even to your, your healthcare, your medicine, it's all like concierge style, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's all done. And, and in the real world, I mean, we know that it ain't getting done if you don't do it yourself. <laughs> so like, how do we bridge that? How do you bridge that? How does sports to suits bridge that? And is it, is it conversations while they're still playing? Yes. I mean, I think that there needs to be you know, a complete educational program specifically around some of these components that we're talking about, and that's part of the piece that we're developing, but also a sense of community and team. You know, that is one of the things that I really was challenged with. So as a young kid, you know, you go out and you play with your friends, and I had one kid down the street that I would play with, but all of my friends were that of yeah, that my group. team. Yeah. And so when you go from that, you know, a lot of the players don't leave exactly at the same time, right? And so you're trying to figure out who's my team outside of the sport. So it's not just education and awareness, but it's also that sense of team and community and then getting connected to good quality opportunities mm -hmm. that make sense from an aptitude standpoint of what's my skill set of that, me just being a human, as well as my educational background and how do I bridge that? I, you know, just even listening to you and, and, and hearing this as a mom, I think about, you know, my own kids and, and, and how, you know, when in our society, when you have a child that's really, really good at a sport, you, we tend to like push them more and more and more and more and more like a funnel into that sport. But it almost feels like hearing from you saying almost let, let a child be a child, like let, let them have other friend groups, let them it's important that we sort of spread the love here so that they can have some full development in this. Well, yes, so this is a hot topic because uh, I'm a mom and my daughter plays soccer and my stepson plays baseball, so I have to remember that as well. And, you know, from a parent perspective, you know, let them explore. That is the one massive thing that we did with Aaliyah when she homeschooled because everything's so regimented, traditional school, and so yeah. yes, we had to provide her with the math curriculum and the spelling and all of that stuff. But we also asked her, what do you want to learn about? Mm. And so we were able to connect her to marine biology and some of these other things that are just not things that she typically would have been exposed to. So I think about that. I think about how powerful that exposure is and getting connected to those resources. Yeah. I want to get um, back to this idea of perfectionism that, that 
you've you know had to overcome <laughs> okay. so much and had to struggle with. Um, because I do think it affects a lot of us to a certain degree. Um, it, it's difficult because a lot of people, I think, achieve really great things through that, like that need, that drive. And so on one hand, perfectionism can, dr can drive us to really do some extraordinary things, but then maybe left unchecked, it can be what completely makes you self-destruct. So at what point in your life did you realize, um, I've got to harness this, something is, otherwise, this is gonna be a really, really bad thing. Was it the point that you got invited to that show? Or had you already start, started to deal with yourself with perfectionism before that? So I think that it, it happened, like I've had to deal with it in multiple different stages in my life. You know, when I was going through some of the challenges of being a teenager and doing drugs and alcohol and being around the wrong crowd, you know, I, I came to this realization, like, this is not me. This is not who I am. And I think perfectionism stems a lot from us comparing ourselves to something else. Yeah. So that and level or that 10, I'm trying to get to that 10. So I'm comparing myself against not getting the 10 and feeling lesser of that. And so, you know, I had to stop comparing myself to other people or other things and then start thinking through what do I want to do? And that's changed a couple of times just based on my own personal connectedness and getting connected to who my being is and that that will continue to grow yeah. but it's stopping to it's stopping to compare yourself against other things and other people that's where in my opinion perfectionism stems yeah and I and it's interesting that you're saying connecting uh, connecting back because I, I do see you as someone who connects people and, and we haven't you know, been able to talk about this yet in this episode, but like something that something that I know about you is your amazing ability to connect with people, but then also to connect others. And I want to know where that comes from for me, for you. Why connect with people and why connect others with people who can help them? Why do you do that? So it stems from me pulling the pieces together. So connecting something is pulling things together with integrity and having a strong, strong bond there. So when I was going through the whole, the whole hot mess express, I pulled myself together and became connected here. And then I started getting connected by other people. So opening the doors, connecting me to new opportunities, giving me an opportunity to do something different and thrive. So it really stemmed from this whole concept of, I was able to connect myself, get myself back together. And then I saw how other people throughout all of these different phases of my life have opened doors for me. Mm. And so I feel like now that I'm on mission and purpose, it is my responsibility to do that for other people too. Yeah. Is how can I connect them to help them serve their mission and their purpose, and how can I open doors for them? Do you think that is your purpose, to yeah. be a connector? Or do you think your purpose is something else right now? I think now? my purpose is to open doors for other people. I think my I think it's twofold, right? You have, we are on this mission and this, and we need connections and resources. However, we're on this beautiful path and we've gotten so many incredible opportunities that is also our responsibility to open the door for other amazing people. Yeah. And so I think it's maybe even opening doors. Yeah. You know, it, it is my responsibility to connect people to needed resources. That's the mission and the purpose. But a little bit deeper is to open doors for other people and give other people the opportunities that if somebody wouldn't have given to me, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. When did you realize that? Like when when was the moment and was that a moment that you remember or was that the evolution too? It was the evolution. So it's the evolution of you know, we all we all have different paths and we all grow and for me it's exposure. It's getting exposed to new things. And so I just remember it, and this goes back to gymnastics even as well. I remember somebody looking at me and I'm doing a TEDx about this soon, is the power of the four words. Is somebody looking at me and saying, I believe in you. Mm. And I remember even that young, if somebody is saying this, then that means I need to focus on it. Mm. It means that's a gift. But it's my responsibility to do something with it. Yeah, yeah. And how do you do something with it? 
follow the path. Yeah. I think there's a, a, an interesting level of curiosity that has to go along with um, finding, discovering, charting the path you're supposed to be on. Um, I know for myself as an adult, I feel like it might have even just been last year when I realized, oh, I, it's actually my responsibility to be curious. It's my responsibility to find what it is that's going to make me happy. I have to figure that out, right? I have to make that. I have to chart the course and no one else is going to do it for me. And I almost wonder if, if that's part of the real um, struggle as an athlete leaves professional life um, or just you know, a college athlete where someone is leaving this curated life and they say, oh crap, like it is on me. And this moment of like, uh, oh, I got, I got to take this seriously. What now? Where do I start? And do you feel like you felt those emotions and that's why you wanted to help athletes specifically? Yeah. Or was Yeah. And I also, so when we were homeschooling Aaliyah, I just remember, and curiosity is, a, is an interesting thing, because I remember when we exposed her, not just to the math and the English and the spelling, because we did that at first. You know, we thought, okay, we're going to build exactly what she would have in school, and it's going to be amazing. And I just remember that that wasn't working. Yeah, It wasn't working from a dynamic perspective. And so we started incorporating all of these different elements of fun, and I saw her experience curiosity. Hmm. And it dawned on me that throughout, I'm, I'm going through the motions and the steps, but I'm not following what I'm actually curious and I'm actually passionate about. And so it's through that, the lens of watching her hmm. go through that and experience, because, and I see it in kids, it kind of lessens when you get in high school and college, but they'll ask so many questions. Mm. And there's, they're curious about a lot of different things and there's no hesitation around that. Yeah. And I think that that kind of gets stripped away because we're told you need to be on this path. This is what yeah. success looks like. Yeah. And so we're constantly going through this path and we're going through the motions. But once we started getting curious about, well, what in my background, like how did I get to where I am today? why who came across my path that completely changed this for me and how can i change maybe even the path of somebody else yeah i think it's interesting because it, it it's easy to make the connection of where an athlete would need to make that transition and 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 learn what's next be curious and learn what's next but for the vast majority of adults i think we deal with this too where we, we go and, and execute and follow a path that isn't ours, you know, based on maybe it's what our parents wanted us or wanted us to do or what we decided would be valued, you know, oh, it's going to be valuable if you attain this higher degree or, um, you know, you're more marketable with this skill. And so we begin to pursue things that we have no interest in at all until the point we wake up one day and we go, what the heck have I done? Like, I'd, I've, I've done what everyone said, why am I not happy? I feel like the kinds of things you're doing transcend one sport or one, one segment of the population, you know? They do. You know, it, it, for, for us, you know, we, we know that that this community is asking for resources, mm -hmm. that there are substantial concerns going on and athletes are now speaking out about it, mm. which is powerful. And so it's how can we create resources that make substantial impact and change in this community, but how can we create an ecosystem that could potentially help others in the future in other capacities? Yeah. And so, you know, for us, it's, we know, like I personally know I remember walking up to my coach and saying, I'm going to quit. Mm. I remember that. I remember the feeling of having to tell them that. And then walk my family up with me because it's a family decision, right? Yeah. That I'm, I'm going to quit and what it felt like. And then even, you know, going into those corporate roles and feeling like, a failure or like I need to quit or I need to make that transition but I feel like a lot of people don't make the transition over to entrepreneurship one because of resources yeah 
but two, because of that fear of failure and wanting something to be. Yeah, yeah, we can't control that. Did you get to a point where you said, wow, I can't, um, I, I can't stay in this situation any longer, similar to the way that gymnastics ended for you. Did that same sort of situation happen for you as an adult where you said, I, I, this can't stay the way it is. Uh, the pain of staying is greater than the pain of going. Did you have that kind of reckoning? Yeah, I mean, I've worked for a couple, you know, some organizations that were pretty toxic. And so, you know, in my gut, I knew that this was, this was a learning opportunity. You know, I do believe that we do have to learn and we have to be always curious about educating ourselves and learning and growing. And you do have to take steps to get from point A to point B. Um, but I remember walking into specifically some of the roles that I've been in and I'm like, this is not for me, but what can I learn from this experience and how much can I soak in so that I'll be ready for the next journey? So before I went into entrepreneurship, what really pushed me into, I knew that I wanted to go into entrepreneurship, but this one leader showed me what it was like to lead an organization with joy and kindness and putting employees first. And he did it in such a beautiful way that it inspired me to know that business doesn't have to be this way. Mm. And you can lead with the same heart that I have and be a, an amazing leader and have a successful business. And so, you know, that tragedy of, you know, the school getting hit yeah. was just that moment of really thinking through is this my time? Mm. Is this my time? Yeah. And, and obviously the answer was yes. It was. Yeah. I wonder, um, <clears throat> you are around a lot of entrepreneurs all the time. Yep. And so I realized that by asking the question I'm about to ask you, it's going to be through that lens. Um, but do you feel like more people are choosing to take the leap now into entrepreneurship, into just charting their own course? I think so, but I think if more people had resources available to them, more people would. Is that financial? Yep. That's a big gap. I mean, that is a big, scary thing. Um, and so having the ability to provide for your family, you know, jumping into entrepreneurship, you typically start with nothing. Yeah, you put a lot, hey, you put a lot out <laughs> and, get, and get zero back maybe for a while, but it's the seed planting, right? It is, it's the seed planting. So yes, I see a lot of people making that transition and really thinking through, I've been doing this career for so long, is this my path, is this my purpose? But actually making that leap, I think more people would make it if they had access to the resources, hmm. which is why I'm so passionate about connecting other yeah. people to not necessarily the funding, but it, it's connecting yeah. people to other people that can help further their mission and path. Yeah, I gotta tell you the first time I met you, um, I don't know if it was last year, the dates get jumbled, but anyway, the, fir <laughs> the first time I met you uh, and you know we met, you said something to me I, had, I don't ever remember hearing anyone say in my whole life, um, but you are so avid about helping people and I've never, seen someone do that like you this is what's incredible to me about you you are in a stage of full-on creation mode you are creating 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 you have every right to say i need right now i need i need i need but instead you pour into people yeah. and you say as you did to me i only assume you say it to everyone because you're just so avid about it how can i help you what do you need? What can I do for you right now? And I and I I remember being taken like so back by that because I I could feel your your authenticity in that. I could feel how genuine you were in that. But it also um, was like this amazing example for me of what it looks like to to care about people and connect with people and truly be there because I, I think that's the best seed you can plant. Like, yeah. I, I made you cry. Yes, you made me cry. It's but so I, but I, I believe it about you though because those are, those are the types of seeds that grow beautiful friendships and, and beautiful businesses and change. That's a seed that, that plants that grows change. Yeah. Um, 
and you're you're doing it through service, which I think is just a real hallmark of, of purpose is when somebody acts from a place of service and you're doing that, right? Like you're seeing this problem that you're trying to fix uh, and you're doing it one by one, by one, by one, <laughs> certainly creating this big framework that's gonna help you know, athletes all over the world, but but you're doing it on such a beautiful grassroots level. It's just so impactful. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people look at things from a big picture and we have to look at things from a big picture perspective, but the reality is, is we all have needs, all of us. Every single human in this world has a need. And so if we can help facilitate that for just one person at a time, then that person will continue to grow the ecosystem because we'll be able to grow and help other people. But it's, for us, it's how can I impact the life of this person that I'm in contact with right now? In this conversation, what can I do to maybe even change the mindset so that you go and follow your dreams? Mm -hmm. Because I've had that. I've had people pour into me. And I'm here because of that. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it's beautiful because it's so deep, right? Like there was this point where you your your life and path changed because of the people who were in it, right? The people encouraged you and believed in you, and you said, "Ah, oh, that made such a difference on me. I'm going to make sure I pay that forward and do that for other people." And it and it does make a difference. Well, it does, but it also I think through, you know, all of the successes that I've had are all because somebody looks at me and says, I believe in you. And if somebody wouldn't have said that, where would I be? Yeah. And now you're being that person for other people. Do you, do you know that you're that person? Are you actively trying to be that person for others? I think it's become intuitive. It's just now that I'm going down this mission and passion-driven field, it, that's what's coming out. Yeah. What would the world be like if just a few people here and there, just a few more <laughs> said, I should do that, right? Like I, I need to act on what I feel and act on passion, act on love and service and, and, and encouragement. I mean, that's just like the ultimate encouragement when someone says, I believe in you. I mean, obviously the world would be a better place, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think it's providing people the resources to actually plant that seed so that they feel comfortable in doing so themselves. This is a hard journey. Like it is a hard, challenging journey. But we have people like myself that I pour into them, but then they pour into me. Yeah. And so we're on the journey together. We're a team, mm -hmm. you know? So there's, you know, for me, it's how can you curate a team of people? If it's a three person team, a 20 person team, but that you're not just working against each other, that you're elevating each other as a team mm -hmm. and you're supporting each other. Because the reality is, is we all have difficult moments where we want to contract and we want to say, you know what? I can go back into that corporate career. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> Here we go. I'm done. <laughs> done. Um, go back to health insurance and a steady paycheck. <laughs> well, but there's also a lot of people that believe in what we're doing, mm -hmm. that are helping us, but that we also believe in the mission and the impact that they're making. Yeah. You know, I'm here with you. And you're doing amazing mission and impact focus work. And you've had to make some leaps and overcome maybe some challenges or fears to get there. True that. But I'm totally <laughs> in your corner and cheering you, cheering you on all the time. Yeah, but that's what it's about. I feel like there's, you know, I've seen so much toxicity in business, oh, so yeah. much of it. And people just trying to step on each other's toes or steal ideas or whatever. And I'm just like, that's not the game that this world is meant to play. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to be in, in contest with each other, right? We don't. And it's actually a much more beautiful game to be around people where you're helping elevate them and they're doing the same for you. Yeah. Um, I, it's almost like operating from a place of yes. Like, what, what can we do? Can I do this? Yes. Yes, let's try it because, you know, it almost like it sets you up for success at that point, too, because you're like, hey, let's go. <laughs> you know, what's possible today? I don't know, but we're going to go for it. So I'll tell you a funny story about this. So over the summer, 
I've got an amazing friend that um, does some work with Forbes and media. Um, and and he called, or we were talking to each other, and I, I was asking, what are you doing? Like, what do, you, what do you have going on? How can I help support you? And he said, well, I'm going to Portugal. And I, and I just said, <laughs> well, thanks for the invite, man. Yeah. Um, and he said, well, I've got an extra ticket. I was like, well, when is it? And he was like, next week. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I had never been out of the country. And this was last year? This was last year. Wow. I had never been out of the country. Granted, I did do some cruises, but that to me is not like getting (laughs) on a plane, flying in the middle to Portugal and trying to navigate that. And I went to my husband and I just said, I've got to go to Portugal. (laughs) I didn't know very much about what we were doing. I just knew and had so much trust in this person that if he's inviting me and he thinks that I can bring value and he can he can see value in what we're doing, I'm getting on that plane. Yeah. And I did that and I met with some of the world's most elite business people. Yeah. But it was that exposure and it was that opportunity and that ability to just say, you know what, it intuition wise, this is what I need to do. And this is the opportunity that's presenting itself and let's just do it. Yeah. And I'm getting like, when I listen to your stories, I get a lot of like, there's this moment where you have to stop thinking with your head and really start thinking with your heart and, and allowing this to be like heart led, heart centered leadership. Um, and, and I do think that starts with self. You, you can't lead people unless you're leading yourself in that way. Don't you think? There's a lot of self-work that has to be done, yeah. you know, and, and that was the process that I went through with my daughter as well. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's a very big, heavy topic, not just for a kiddo, but for your entire family. It changes the dynamics. Mm. And so I just had this ability to watch her go through it. And then I kind of had to start processing these things. And, you know, we could have done the easy thing and probably just said, you know, we're just going to keep working and keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. But just something didn't feel right. Mm. I was like, I know that this is the path I need to take. And I had the support system that said, you know what? We believe in you. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah, it's interesting because I, I, you know, I I started this podcast so that the conversations would reach the people who needed to hear them. So I'm, I mean, I'm just very confident that if someone needs to hear what you've got to say, like they're going to find their way there. Like I just, I just have to believe that because that's so that's what motivates me. So if there's someone who hears this and, um, and they're thinking, golly, there's a lot in my life right now that just doesn't seem to work. Um, what's step one? What's step one in that? Why does it not seem to be working? Yeah. Like, what's the root of that? Like, so I knew it wasn't working because I was just going through the motions. But I had to ask myself, why? Yeah. Why is this not working? And I've got all of these amazing, beautiful things. It's, It's such a blessing to me. Right. But why am I still not fulfilled? Right. Why? Why? And so it's it's really asking, doing, and really diving deep into why. Yeah. Did I have asked myself that question, and in some ways it made me feel ungrateful. Mm-hmm. I had to personally come to terms yeah. with that. Like asking asking why I'm not happy with something does not equate to being ungrateful. Did you feel that? Yeah. There's a. Lo- I think there's a lot of shame to some degree in that, especially as a mom. Mm-hmm. Right, right. It, it should be the pinnacle of happiness. It should, it should be the pinnacle of happiness. You know, I've got a career, I've got this beautiful family, and yeah. it's like, why? Like, and to me, you know, I wasn't able to impact, I saw the impact that I could make in her life by exposing mm. her to things that, you know, and I watched my husband and just how he you know, jumped in and would help expose her to new and exciting things. Yeah. And I just watched how critical that was. Mm. And thinking through, it's about, for me, I got exposed to amazing people coincidentally at times. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think it's coincidence. I, I believe they were probably put in your path and you were just astute enough to recognize that there was, there was a gift there, that that person was a gift to you. You just said something so critical. I think so many times people are so reluctant to just say yes with things. Mm. That is one thing that I've really had to think through 
is being courageous about mm. just saying yes in Ooh. certain circumstances. Yeah, that's that's good. Is just saying yes. Is if this person, the Portugal trip, right? <laughs> I trust this person. <laughs> And clearly your husband does too. My husband, well, we went with a group, so it was, but, but if this person is coming to me with this opportunity, why? And what can I do to deliver so much value as part yeah. of this process? And part of that value is me learning. And being willing, and right? Being, being willing, willing to, to learn. learn. Being willing to learn, but also being a little uncomfortable in the process. Probably a lot uncomfortable. Like maybe maybe being uncomfortable has become status quo for you now, right? Because you're putting yourself in so many situations, yeah. <laughs> like putting yourself in front of cameras when you don't love it, you know, putting putting yourself on a international flight that you've never been on, you know, it's it I think those situations are necessary. Otherwise we do not grow and we do not change. Um, what's the point of life if there's not growth in the process? I want, I, it, for anybody that is listening, I want people to be inspired by the fact of, I was terrified of this whole, even now in this process, we had to do an outtake because getting into it, you know, was just so daunting. And, yeah. you know, for there's a lot of people that have just such beautiful, inspirational stories that need to be shared with other mm -hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And it is okay to be imperfect in this oh my scenario. Gosh. Okay, it's, like it's better than okay. It's better than okay. Um, we as millennials, Amanda, yeah. um, research shows over and over again that we want authenticity. We want to see the fault lines. There's a reason why, like you and I, don't have on we shoes, don't have shoes right now, <laughs> <laughs> because like every single thing needs to not feel perfect. I personally do not like things to feel too perfect, and every time I ask for a camera shot that looks imperfect, it's on purpose because every one of those decisions for me is the reminder to me that perfectly imperfect is the most beautiful that, that you can it be. It is. You know, because that's how, that's how you were made. So like your desire for perfection, again, I think there's a, there's a give and take there. It is what's gonna drive you to continue to, to go and go and go and go, but you can't allow that to go unchecked to the point that it keeps you from the success that you're supposed to achieve. So the perfection thing, <laughs> so I'm gonna go back <laughs> to let this. Let me clarify. So let me clarify this. So I almost wonder, and as you're talking, I'm thinking through this, is getting from point A to point B, like there is a level of perfect, but is it the discipline that you're willing to go through? Hmm. There's a lot of discipline. And that's yeah. where, you know, pulling the athlete side back into it. Yeah. I saw so much success in business because I was able to pull mm -hmm. back all of these incredible things that I did as an athlete yeah. and translated over to a business standpoint. So the perfectionism is things that we put on ourselves, right? Yeah. These unnecessary filters that are out there and labels and all of that good stuff. But I believe the reason that we're seeing success is because of the people that we've surrounded ourselves with, but also the level of discipline and grit mm -hmm. that we're willing to go through. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's, I imagine that's part of your framework that you're building for athletes, right? Saying, here's what you already know how to do. You already yes. know how to do this. You know how to work hard. You know how to grind all day. Let's, let's turn that to something else that's gonna give you success in a different arena. I mean, that's like the ultimate encouragement that helps someone build up and believe in themselves. Because along the way, they've had great coaches who've believed in them. You know, you can't achieve amazing things with only being put down all the time, only being grounded to the dirt. Along the way, there have to be people who say, I believe in you. You're, you're, you're hustling, you're doing a great job. Let's keep going, you can do it. Well, and it doesn't even have to be communicated. So for example, you know, I worked for an organization where I wasn't necessarily the most qualified person, but there was a manager that believed in me and believed that I could do the job, so gave me the opportunity. Mm. So it's those people even behind the scenes that believe in you or believe in what you're doing and don't necessarily communicate it. So that's from a connected standpoint. Mm -hmm. Find those people. Oh yeah. Find those people, and it could be one or two or three, but you never know what beautiful things are happening because people believe in what you're doing. Yeah, and I, I from my own experience, have found that you can't attract those people until you become that person. You know, it's you, so true. You have to become that person first, 
and then you start finding those people. You know, so if someone's listening and they say, oh, well, I could never be that. You know, I don't have anyone in my corner like that. Okay, well, you gotta be that. You have to be that person first. And, and you've said something so powerful. So everybody has a unique gift. Mm. And people have asked me, well, how do you find your gift? And you've got to do a lot of self-exploration oh, yeah. oh, totally around self. that. Yeah, self-work. And, and there is a core, I believe that you have a core gift. But things evolve over time. Mm -hmm. And there's beauty to that too. Right. Yeah, I love that. Amanda Banks, <laughs> thanks for being here today. Thank you. Mm. Hugs. <laughs> Watch I'm so like, appreciative of you. We've cried, we've laughed, we've talked. Did all the things. Did all the things. Don't forget to follow and review this podcast. Your review means a lot for the algorithm, okay? When people find this podcast, they start reading the reviews, and we need to know what you think. Rate this, review it, and I'll be so grateful. Also, have you signed up for my emails yet? Lauren at Amstigator.com is what you need to do. Yes, I gave you my personal email that goes straight to me. And I do that because I appreciate you. I know if you're listening to this, we should be friends. So send me an email. I'll get you signed up on our email list. And it's super simple. But for now, I encourage you, lead with your heart and live life purposefully. I'm Lauren Lowry, and this is Amstigator. Amstigator.